This, this, this is Jolly Rogers and Touchdown with Casey Hudson and Kaylee Mizell. Um, it's the biggest news of the week. We, we, mm. we don't speculate here, but we obviously anticipated it and had a conversation about it on Tuesday here on Jolly Rogers and Touchdowns. The fact that we were hearing things, muddlings in my, the my, yeah. throughout Tampa Bay and the nation, honestly. Yeah. yeah whisper, whispers and, down the lane. Yeah. Yeah. We heard. <laughs> yeah. Heard. Some, uh, some real pirates of the Car- Caribbean stuff. Yeah. Uh, Left Witch was potentially out and, then it was confirmed and clarified that Leftwich was released. That was mm-hmm. yesterday. Um, and it wasn't just Leftwich. It was Leftwich and a slew of coaches. Um, obviously, not all of them were fired. It was three of them that decided to retire. Coaches like Clyde Christensen to be um, top of that list who decided to turn in on his career. But it feels like that that turnover has now been escalated Without the conversations of Tom Brady, let's start with the fact that we had a feeling Leftwich was going to be out. Um, Leftwich officially was released yesterday, and two names started to come to the surface right away. So where does this leave the program in your mind, James? Um, and a little bit of limbo. And I think we're mm-hmm. all in limbo until we make a decision on or until Tom Brady makes a decision or if he wants to come back to football at all. And then the secondary follow-up is, does he want to come back to Tampa Bay? Um, because I think – like that that's first to address. And I know we kind of just wanted to talk about the left foot situation, but I don't think we can really address the offensive coordinator position until we address Brady first, because the whole reason left yeah. got fired or got let go is because it down the line, it, it you know, it kind of uh, came to light that him and Brady weren't the best pairing of offensive coordinator and quarterback. So the last mm-hmm. thing that I think the Buccaneers want to do is make a decision on an offensive coordinator. And then in retrospect, have it not be a good pair with Tom Brady. I think Tom, needs right. to be a part of this process. He needs to, you know what I mean? Like he needs to yeah. have a say on who they look at. When someone comes in, he, you know, give Tom the name, look at the past. Like he doesn't have to be there in the meeting. He's not the GM. I get that. And Jason Light is a very good GM. And he's done everything that this team and Tom Brady could have asked him to do. You know, even when he whispered, hey, Julio Jones is free, he went out and got Julio Jones. Like he's he's I done know. as much as Tom Brady could ask for. So I think there should be trust there. And I think that's, it's it sucks for the Buccaneers because you would want to take care of the OC first, like take yeah. care of in-house things before we go and, and you know, wait for Tom's answer. But I, I yeah. think that's the position that they're left in. And like that's I think that's kind of what has to happen. I think you, you got to, you know, kind of tell Tom, like, we're not going to make a decision until you make it a decision. Now be part of the pitch. Right. Like mm-hmm. we don't we don't want to get someone you're not going to like. So you let us know and then we'll make a move. For better I food. struggle with that slightly. No, I because... don't like it. I don't like it at all, Casey. I think <laughs> no, but I think, I think you're right. Like, yeah, I don't yeah, like it. I think you're right. I just I struggle with that tremendously because it's like, you know, Tom Brady's on a year-by-year basis here, honestly. And not even just here in Tampa Bay. If he does continue to play football, you know, he's not going to go into any two-, three-year contract. Um, the reality of it is that in order for him to keep all the chips – on his side, he's got to continue to play this year by year game. Um, and then, you know, you can't bank on the fact that if you bring an OC that Brady likes and feels like he can work with, is this an OC that you're now going to formulate all of your QB choosings according to? So the slim pickings that the 2023 draft has for QBs, mm-hmm. that's going to be scary. 
Kyle Trask is clearly not the answer. And my own University of Florida prejudice aside, it's the fact that they didn't show any faith in him at all this season. Going in at the end of the Falcons game, the last game of the season says absolutely nothing. Trask fans, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. So you've got to bank on the fact that 2023 or 2024 has the future quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks, or a veteran that has at least three to five years left in him. But this is a team that you and I both want to steer clear of this whole veteran or, you know, super name load up unless they bring in somebody that, you know, wants to do the rebuild. So everyone who thinks Aaron Rodgers is a good idea here, uh uh-uh, pivot, turn around, walk off the plank because he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Hence why he is struggling to even be kept by his own team right now for one. And for two, it's just, I respect his what Aaron Rodgers does. It's the diva attitude that this organization cannot yeah. manage and cannot uh, can't afford, afford right now. Yeah, can't even afford to have not forget about doesn't want to manage. I can't even afford to have it in their locker room right now. And I think there were mm-hmm. kind of a couple quote unquote diva attitudes. And I don't want to they're not diva, but they're, you know, not all the way bought in with the team they're and what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Re- regardless of whether the ship was going down or not. But Aaron Rodgers is, is a good point and, and I won't focus focus on the name of Aaron Rodgers so much as just like the type of quarterback and, and the right. and the splash because you go and get a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers when you're a quarterback away mm-hmm. and and before the 2020 season the, the end of the 2019 season the Buccaneers were a quarterback away it was clear that Jameis yeah. Winston was just like the clear holding this team back and then Tom yeah. Brady comes in and won a Super Bowl we're not that Buccaneers <laughs> team anymore like sorry to break it to you Buccaneers fans I don't know if you guys still thought that but Tom Brady was the <laughs> was the biggest glaring kind of mishap or miscues of the season. But he damn sure was not the only one. And damn right. sure wasn't the only impactful one. So, like, mm-hmm. going and getting the next, you know, aging superstar quarterback who still got it in him a little bit, I don't think is, is going to do us, you know, any good until we address the other, like, little minute details of this team that had Tom Brady so hot. Like, he had a, he had a, a point there. So, you know, I, yeah. I think – that kind of goes hand in hand, but also with the situation, kind of what I saw again is that like the, the kind of rumors and the murmurings of Byron Leftwich being fired didn't just come out when they lost. This was happening last week of the regular season, the playoff game. You know what I mean? You started hearing the murmuring, started seeing the writing on the wall. Casey, I think that was the Buccaneers way of telling Leftwich, brother, get it together. Like you got, you know what I mean? Like we are, this, this oh, is. He knew almost, that he had too many chances because the yeah, conversation but, was that after bye week is, it was like, that's when he was really supposed to be forced out and yeah, Bulls decided seat. that there was no changes going to be made. Exactly. Mm. And and whether, and, and uh, who knows, maybe this is the organization even going above Todd Bowles because Todd Bowles refused to kind of echo that in his post-game sentiments. So maybe mm-hmm. the organization is like, we got to get it out there to let Byron Leftwich know that you, this is not, don't get cozy. Like, if you don't perform, if you have a bad playoff game, have a bad end of the regular season, we're going mm-hmm. to move on from you because, like, it's going to be either you or Tom. And, and if the Buccaneers have that ultimatum, they're going to choose Tom Brady. So I, I just kind of, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So retrospectively, mm-hmm. just looking back at this whole situation, I'm like, yeah, that wasn't a coincidence. That didn't just come out of left field. So, like, that was that was planted. That was that was. The Buccaneers wanted that to be known, like, you know, Byron, you got a short leash, man. And if we don't see good in these last couple of weeks, don't don't be surprised (laughs) 
when I call you in my office and ask you to bring your playbook with you. You know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's, Drop it's off big. your stuff here, leave your key there. And that, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm glad that you painted that picture for Bucks fans, James, because uh, of course, you know, what's a what's a media member if we're not watching all the shows that are talking about breaking news across the league? And it brings me to one of the most dramatic shows that I, you know, that I struggle to watch if I'm being fully transparent. It's um it's Skip Bayless and, and Shannon Sharp. Yeah. Yet I still get a hoot out of these two somehow, some way. When I listen to them from a distance, you know, have it running in right. the background, but I'm doing right, other right. things that are productive. Right. So with that said, uh, of course, Sharp had a very um, passionate uh, <laughs> passionate exchange with Skip Bayless about the fact that he feels like Byron Leftwich was done wrong, that Tom Brady never takes responsibility for the shortcomings of Tom Brady and every it's everyone else's fault, but Brady's. So he feels like Leftwich should not have been fired because of, you know, the lack of ability that Tom Brady had and did not own up to this season. And I struggled, struggled with this perspective, not yeah. because I'm the Tom Brady fan, not because you know, I believe that this organization, <laughs> which is why I'm I excited am. to hear what you yeah. think about this, but you I know, uh, Bucks fans, Jolly fans, if I can, if I can honestly be transparent about anything, like I was never that person that went off the deep end when it came to Tom Brady. Grew up a Dolphins fan uh, for the mo for the beginning part of my life. My mom worked for the Dolphins, so of course, AFC, AFC hated the Patriots, hated Tom Brady. Uh, respect him as an athlete and what he does still respect and appreciate him as an athlete for what he does. Uh, so if there was anybody that could be on board with the passionate statements of Shannon Sharp, you would think it would be somebody like me. I hated everything he said. Mm. I really hated mm. that statement because mm. I think in so many ways we saw left, which being protected, not um, Brady, shortcomings being protected now did he come to the podium and say hey i screwed up that pass to mike evans or i screwed up this i screwed up that no not particularly every sometimes no no like some, there were some times yes yeah, he's not somebody to go like into Right. He's not somebody to go into this like exasperated death of yes. something to be like, yes. oh, my so gosh, I did I'm this. So, I'm so, so glad you said that. I'm so glad. Knowing his personality, I think he took enough responsibility. But then you also saw Mike Evans, which I have the clippings. We'll throw it up. Taking responsibility too, finishing off routes, looking over his shoulder at the right time, you know, marking his man and marking Brady's pass timing. All these things, there's so many things that played into us, but how do you complain as fans and as spectators about the play calling being abysmal, let alone you still somehow try to blame this on mm -hmm. Brady mm -hmm. when mm -hmm. I know there's the debate about Brady play, calling the plays and Leftwich calling the plays, but the person whose job title that is, is Byron Leftwich. So I struggled with Sharp saying that everyone comes to the chopping block on the account of Tom Brady and his lack of accountability. Um, I think for Shannon Sharp, it's real easy or, or put it this way, that that's a perspective that comes to you when you're on the sidelines, looking at it, not when you're in and amongst the organization, that's a guy who, versus the athlete. You know what I mean? Like that's a guy who's, who's looking at it. Who's, who's, who's kind of looking at the Buccaneers every three days, every four days, instead of every single day, instead of every single hour, like we've been doing, like you and Kaylee have been doing like people who cover the Buccaneers. So I can see 
kind of how Shannon got that. And if he wants to side with Byron Leftwich, how he can go that route based on his perspective. But I don't agree with it at all. Because you're right. I mean, his superior in Todd Bowles kind of refused to to point out any kind of Byron Leftwich mistake publicly. So we, we've done that. And you made a terrific point, Casey. When has Tom Brady ever come to the podium and been like, hey, yeah, um, uh, you know, second quarter, 834 to go, we were driving and I made a bad read to the out round through a pick and that was a turnover. Like what? Point to when Tom has ever done that, you know? Never. Like, he has, never. this is his statement. I need to do better. We need to do better. That's football. And, and, Plug and, and play those statements where you will. That's Tom Brady's speech. Yes, yes. Use that Use that speech as Plato and mold it to whatever you want because he's giving you the overarching statement of, yes, I know I played bad. No need to go into big detail. <laughs> I know I played bad. They know they played bad. So we all got to play better. But mm-hmm. we're not behind closed doors. Like, there is not one person, New England or Tampa, who will come out and be like, I, you know, Tom was, you know, Tom was bad in the meeting. Tom, Tom didn't take accountability in the meeting. Tom was calling us out in the team. Like, name me a player who has ever come, like, for Tom Brady in that sense. So all, all we can see is that, you know, he goes behind closed doors, they go into the lab, and they all publicly say, like, hey, here's where we play bad. Here's where it has to happen. Here's where it has to change. So mm-hmm. – like, I, I don't think anyone is coddling Tom and throwing Byron Leftwich under the bus. But here's also what I see. Tom Brady has three MVPs, seven Super Bowls, four Super Bowl MVPs. I've played 20, 20 years, 23 years in the league. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Byron Leftwich just got named offensive coordinator a couple of seasons ago. I'm sorry mm-hmm. if I side with the dude who's got a Super Bowl the ring experience. on 70% of his hand, on 70% mm-hmm. of his fingers. Like I'm, I'm sorry if I lean towards that guy when it's, uh, I don't really know whose fault it is. Is it Byron or is it Tom's fault? Right. Like I, I got so much tape of Tom doing it at an elite level. And I'm like, it's probably, if, if I had to choose which one is more at fault for not having it right, it's, it, Byron's probably going to just default get that. And Byron knows yeah. that. Like you, you yeah. working with Tom Brady, you know that. That's not a, mm-hmm. that's not a surprise. So no, no. Uncle Shay Shay, I, I get what you're coming from. Someone needs to be in Byron's corner. So I'm yeah, glad somebody. that I'm glad that someone's got to be in his corner. I'm glad that he is. But I would I would ask Shannon Sharp, what if, if he's a primarily a Broncos fan or a Ravens fan, if he swings one, I know he played for a couple of teams. <laughs> if Byron Leftwich was the offensive coordinator for his favorite team and mm-hmm. they looked like that, would you feel the need to save him? Would, would you would you feel the need to no, it's not his fault. It's it's this that would would you feel that way still? Or right. are you just kind of trying to see the other side of the coin because he's up against Brady and Brady usually wins that? Exactly. Like, like, it almost like, just feels like the ultimate anti Brady situation. Yes, like, somebody's gotta go against Brady, somebody's gotta be in left with just corner. But the other reason why I just didn't love this whole conversation and this whole statement, and I didn't see the full segment, I just saw clips of it, so I'm not particularly sure where Skip Bayless lied in this conversation. He was kind of agreeing and nodding his head at the points that I saw. Now, where I also struggle is that this team, this organization has known that there were going to be tremendous question marks once this season wrapped up. With that said, why would they make a a decision only putting it all on left, which not putting any responsibility on Brady, knowing that there's three options here. Brady could be done with football for real, for real. 
Brady's going to go to another team where he thinks he can make an impact and collect eight, or Brady stays with the Bucks. And with the way that the season ended, with all the drama revolved in it, and then with his post-game presser after the Cowboys beat them on Monday, two options felt the, the strongest. He's leaving or he's retiring. So mm-hmm. why would they sit here and not give Leftwich a chance if the chances are leaning more towards the fact of Brady being out the door at that moment? Because then that makes no sense to me. How is everyone on the chopping block for Brady when they have to think big picture here? The Bucks have no choice but to think big picture here. And if big picture includes Brady coming back, that means that they have to bring in the appropriate quarterback to be the successor of Brady, which means similar style, similar fashion, similar, similar capabilities. He may not be at Brady's level. Brady's called a goat for a reason. But there has to be more similarities than not because the rebuild is here whether they want to do it or not. They cannot afford to go into another year of plug and playing big names, trying to go for one more Super Bowl and putting themselves in a detrimental situation come the next year. The draft is not going to fall in line with what the Bucks are trying to do. Well, that's interesting you say that, Casey, because to me, if they if the Bucks wanted to go to a rebuild, then you let Tom walk and you tell Tom that. We're going into mm-hmm. a rebuild. We're going to redo it. It makes no sense for you to come back. We're not going to pay you to come back. Go go, either retire or go to another team. <laughs> because seriously, like, what sense does that make to bring Tommy, Tom Brady back if we're going into a rebuild? So to mm-hmm. me, I still kind of think the Buccaneers want Tom Brady back. Like, that's, that's just the vibe I get from the team. So if they want Tom Brady back, then I, I don't think they go into a rebuild. I don't think they try to go into a rebuild. Whether I agree with it or not, I don't think they try to. I think they still try to get the, the veterans. Yeah, enough pieces. That, that Tom Brady wants vets. At this point of his career, he's not trying to mentor young people to go and do it. That's why he was so mad at his offensive line. And I, I kind of get that. I don't have time to mentor. I don't have time to teach. You got to come in and be ready to do it. He thought Julio was yeah. going to be coming in and, and ready to do it. Um, so, like – if, if they're, if they're going to bring Tom Brady back, the draft isn't where they're going to look, that they're going to look to go get kind of those, those veteran statesmen and, and wherever that lands us next year is wherever that lands us. I'm not, I'm not too sure. It might land us in the exact same spot. And we're pulling our hair out. Are you on the bring Brady game. back train? I know 80% of Bucks fans, according to polls that I've seen between Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and 80%. then some, they want Brady back. Yeah, I don't, Casey. I don't want to go to the unknown. The unknown scares me. It's dark over there, and if Brady jumps ship, our ship just steers towards just dark seas. I don't know what's there. I don't know who's there. I don't know who saves us. I don't know where it hit. Like you know what I mean? You said it earlier. The abyss. The abyss. Like at least with Brady, I know where we're going. It may not be. You know what I mean? Like see, this is. Like, at least this is I my dark that. humor where I'm like, look, if you're leaving, go. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can't sit here and I can't sit here and go through the, the roller coaster anymore. Yeah, I can't do one door. foot in the door, one foot out the door. I've never you know, been that woman. You know what makes me mad? And, and you know what? You hold those values to you to yourself, Casey. Don't let don't let no <laughs> do. man don't let no man be one foot in, one foot out. I like that. Hold that. Hold that uh, oh, I do. But here's the thing: <laughs> what I didn't like, what Tom said is, I'm gonna take a month or two to kind of think about it. Get, I, well, that's terrifying because of what you said. If they're trying to base the next OC off of Tom Brady's decision, that means that Bucks fans are going to be sitting in this lull at the top of the year for weeks. For you know weeks. what? And you know what? That and I don't want to act like it's Bucks versus Tom because it's not. We're we're, we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out what's the best move for both. But it gave it gave him the leverage in that moment. It get, like, oh yeah, I'll let I'll let you guys know. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> 
Like, what, I'll like, get back what, to you. Yeah, I'll get back to you. In two yeah. months? In yep. two months? Like, I will get back to you. He's lucky it's like, January. He's lucky it's January. Because by April, I need to know. Right. Like, well, like, this man like, ruined my birthday last year. I'm in the middle of a picnic, selfishly, celebrating. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, my phone I starts should. going off the Richter scale because it's like, oh, Brady unretired, Brady unretired. He's coming yeah. back, he's coming back, he's coming back. And I'm like, geez, Logies. All I wanted it to do was be happy birthday case today. But yeah. it's another day about Tom Couldn't Brady. be about you. Couldn't be about you. No, And, and the draft is in April. So if he lets us know in two months, that's that's March. Like I, I right. need to know in two months because I gotta know if I'm drafting your your predecessor or your successor or not. I, I gotta. I'd know like to know in two what, days or two I, weeks. Max. I'd like to know. Yeah, I'd like to know him by like the end of the week, to be honest. <laughs> but um, well, that, that's this is kind of a perfect place to transition because there's another show you talked about shows going crazy talking about um, you mm-hmm. know the the left wing situation. Another show on the same network actually I think comes on right after Skip and Shannon. Probably is <laughs> Colin Cowherd. The her with Colin Cowherd. What did they call him on Fox? one of the most polarizing voices in sports media. And it's because he, he's very strong at his takes. And he came out yesterday. And, and I, I'm very interested to hear your perspective on this case. He <laughs> came out yesterday and he said that firing Byron Leftwich was the Bucks' first pitch to bring Tom Brady back. Like you could see the clear kind of dissonance and the clear struggle between Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady. And one of the things that Tom was public about and being kind of so um, kind of annoyed or distraught about the situation was the lack of consistency, um, the lack mm-hmm. of, of, of um, the consistency in the play calling, the lack of aggressiveness, the lack of willing to go for it and show some confidence in your team. And the Buccaneers kind of directly associated that with Byron Leftwich. So to show Tom that, hey, we are doing right by you. And this is the first step. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and Tom yeah. needs a lot of things to have success next year. Offensive line got to be intact. I need a good yeah. running back to take pressure off me. And I need defense to either create takeaways or get pressure on the quarterback. The defense got to show up. And I think this is the Buccaneers kind of, or he said that he thinks this is the Buccaneers first installment or first step into showing Tom that this offseason is about fixing those things for you. And this is step one. We did it right away. We didn't waste any time. We did it right away. Look, Tom, this is still the best option for you. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think about that? kind of opinion by Colin Cowherd. Do you think that this was the Bucks' first step in telling Brady, like, hey, we're we're listening. We're listening. We're team Brady. <laughs> we're team Brady. I think Cowherd loves swinging from the chandeliers. Um, here's the thing. <laughs> I, and, and it's not because I, I'm an indecisive person. I, I see things from so many perspectives to a state of, like, par- like of being paralyzed almost. So I'll mm. say this. Um, I struggle with that statement a little bit only because – is could there be value and truth in that? Absolutely. Is it do they want to keep Tom Brady? If he's going to continue to play football, it needs to be in Tampa Bay and nowhere else. That's better. That's better for both parties. Honestly, mm-hmm. um, we talked I about agree. the human side of Brady pulling his, you know, moving his family again in the middle of everything they just went through this offseason. A parent doesn't want to do that. I promise I you guys that. Um, but what I will say is this. I almost just feel like it's not entirely the, you know, appealing plate of to, to Brady to say, come back to us. I think it's more of the fact that there might be more reality to Brady was on board with Todd Bowles being the head coach, but Todd Bowles wasn't given the tools to operate as the head coach that he wanted to operate in. And this is a wild statement coming from me because there was a lot of things that I was that I didn't love that Todd Bowles did this season. But after reading a lot of different things the past couple of days, something did come into perspective for me, which is the fact that Bowles never got to pick his staff. 
So mm -hmm. if you are yeah. a particular kind of coach, you need a particular kind of staff underneath you so that you can flourish. So will I give Todd Bowles a little bit of that leverage? Absolutely. Because he can't have a staff that worked for a Bruce Arians if him and Bruce Arians have polar opposite coaching styles, yeah, you know? No. So I think as a favor to a, a coach and a person and a human being that he respects, Bulls kept Leftwich, but it probably wasn't an ideal matchup. We're seeing mm -hmm. a lot of what we called miscommunication throughout the season. I think it was mistrust. So I think Bulls was not able to function in a full role of head coaching because he did not trust the people underneath him to manage everything else. So in all that, I say, I think it's more of a Leftwich is out because it's time for Bulls to create the team to create the staff that he can best perform with so that he can make a case that he deserves to be a head coach in the NFL, because this is kind of last chance you for him. He's still getting heat from what he did with the jets. If we're yeah. being honest, you know, the amount of people that still bring up his jets coaching situation is just ridiculous. They did it in the playoffs. Exactly. And fans were actually excited when he became the head coach here because they were like, yeah, he has the tools to actually do better because he didn't have these tools with the Jets. Well, well they thought he had a good team finally. They thought he finally exactly. got the, the chance to coach a team with talent. And, you know, so but he had the team. He had health issues. He didn't have the staff. So now this feels like last chance you. So it feels more like a Brady respects Bulls. And in order for Bulls to give Brady the team that he deserves, Bulls needed the clean house because when we were talking about Leftwich potentially being fired, more than likely being fired, we weren't thinking 12 coaches were going out with them. I mean, an example is Coach Lowe. You know, she's always been praised by the Bucks organization. She did great with the development on defense, and she was even she was released. Somebody yeah. who actually did their job on defense is gone. And someone who, who Coach Arians in the Super Bowl year was very, like, outward and spoken about how much the players love her and respect her and how great so of a job. So high on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she does. Um, Casey, that's you. That's a tremendous perspective that you just provided, and and it, it reminds me of a quote that Bill Parcells famously said when him and Jerry Jones were going at it, at when they weren't able to win Super Bowls. Is Jerry Jones wouldn't? No, it wasn't the staff; it was the players. Jerry Jones did a lot of the drafting, and Bill Parcells said, "How do you expect me to cook dinner if you don't let me get my ingredients?" So, how do you right. expect me to coach this team if you're not allowing me to go get the players and personnel that works with my style? And think mm -hmm. about it. Peel back the curtain a little bit. You have a reserved head coach. So maybe I don't need a reserved coordinator. Like, you could no. be reserved when your head coach is, is aggressive. Talking or, and, yeah. And you know what I mean? You can be reserved because there's someone there. But now there's no voice coming from the sideline. And there's no real defensive mm -hmm. coordinator because Todd Bowles is that too. So, you're, you know, there's, there's no – from the top down, there's no loud, boisterous, confident voice screaming above everybody. So yeah. I do get that. With all that being said – I agree with Colin. I agree. You with do? Him. I agree. With him. I agree with him because I'm not, I'm not entirely saying I don't disagree. I just think that I think that the the value, I think that the offer, I think that the attraction is just coming from a little bit deeper of a perspective. I think that Brady was okay with Bulls, but I think it's the more attractive this team becomes to Bulls, the more appealing it could be for Brady, not particularly mm -hmm. just Brady. Because again, we're talking about somebody that may or may not come back. And if he does, we're talking about somebody who's probably back for just one more year, one more season. Mm -hmm. So while they may not go into a full rebuild mode, there are some big picture decisions they have to make here. That's the reality. They can't just keep doing short-term things. 100%. Um, and, and, Will and change anything? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that'll that'll be something to see when we roll around next year. That we're all like, you know, biting our nails for. But no, it's 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 good. And to be honest, it's refreshing that to see if you're right 
it's refreshing to see the Buccaneers make a decision for someone that's other than Tom Brady. Like, oh, you right. made this decision because it benefits your head coach. And if Bruce mm-hmm. Arians is still thinking about how do I make this team good for Todd Bowles, the coach, which is what he did last year, which is why he left when he did. He wanted Todd Bowles mm-hmm. to coach a team with talent and good personnel. So if he's still worried about that, well, I can see that Byron was my OC, not his OC. So right. let's, let, let's you know, everyone let's make this decision. Jason Lennox, make this decision to make it better for Todd Bowles. That would be actually really refreshing. I hear that. But the reason yeah. I agree with Colin Cowherd is because that hasn't been the pattern. The pattern is at the end <laughs> of true. each season, okay, what do we got to do to keep Tom? What do we got to do to keep Tom? What do we got to do to keep Tom? <laughs> And, and I think that they make those quick moves. The minute Tom wanted to come back to Tampa, it wasn't like, oh, Tom, we got to see if, you know, we have different people. It was, yo, whoever is in Tom's locker, clean it out. Like, like right. get him out of here. <laughs> get him back in the door. They actually said, even before, when it was just hinted and rumored that Tom might be thinking about possibly unretiring, the Bucs were like, hey, we're still open. Like, that's right. okay with us. We still haven't gotten a quarterback. We still haven't desperate. gotten a quarterback. Desperate. <laughs> Any move for Tom desperate. that they would do. And, and to me, this is no different than what they did last year and after the Super Bowl year of, Tom, anything you want, buddy, anything you want, we will do it so you come back. That, that's what you make a great point. Over. That's you make a great like. point. But we always talk about relationship reference on Charlie Rogers and touchdowns. How we got there, who knows? But guys, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, value yourself you more than the Buccaneers. Yeah, value yourself you more don't than the Buccaneers. So desperate. You don't act so desperate. Those guys that have to sit there and be like, no, I'm not chasing. I am not chasing you, sir. We're gonna meet in the middle. How do we make yeah. this work? And if yeah. not, it looks like we're both we're both out of this. Like we right. both gotta go. Somebody's gotta put their foot down. And Tom definitely and is this used relationship to needs to become a more equal effort situation. Mm-hmm. 50-50. You know? 50-50. And Tom's definitely used to being chased. Like I I don't know his dating pass on anything, but like I, I I'm wouldn't sure be surprised. Everybody just the throwing man, themselves, yeah, yeah, right throwing themselves at, him. at him. And and the Buccaneers yeah. are the la- the last lady in line right now, just just hoping for a chance. Just hoping for I a mean, chance. Wow. No, it's the girl, it's the innocent girl who was not seen in like high school or college, and now finally she's being seen. Yeah. By it. And it's like, and he's the captain I'm never of the football this. team. Yeah, he's the right. captain of the football right. team. Like, oh man. Like, this is your perfect rom dramedy. I'm not even going to say rom com because nothing's funny about this right now, but it's just, it's that perfect uh, dramedy. Or I, I was supposed to remove comedy from it. Anyway, yeah. the romantic story that just never ends of the of the desperate person who's just dying for the approval of this man or woman. Uh, Bucks, you gotta reel it in. Don't be so desperate. This organization has a long way to go. Uh, unless you're sitting here priming for Jack Brady and all the Brady Juniors to come, like everything can't revolve around Tom Brady. Casey, am I? You're not building this team for his life. Am I Are you desperate? desperate? I don't know, cause I, cause I'm, I'm having like a real self-reflective moment right now, because I, I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm You're on the side of everything, the, but for I'm, a, I'm, to come a, I'm afraid. Yes, I don't know what I don't know <laughs> who I am without Tom Brady right now, and and, and that's I don't. Like oh that. my gosh! I don't, I don't uh, like that for me. I don't like that need, for the Buccaneers. We, we need a session. Having, the Buccaneers are having a little identity crisis, aren't they? Like we, as an organization, don't know who we are without Tom Brady, and that puts us in a in a very desperate situation. <sighs> My goodness, yeah, we need counsel. Yeah, this calls for like a wine night. Yeah, yeah this calls yeah. for wine and, and a lot of deeper conversations as yeah, to why you can't let go. 
I'm the woman that's like, if you're going, go. Like, let me just go ahead and start getting the wheels in motion in the next path or trajectory that I've got to be on. And maybe we'll circle yeah. back to this conversation in another lifetime. I, uh, yeah, I really my dad calls me Rolling Stone for very specific yeah. reasons. And I got that nickname as a child, which is terrifying terrifying. Uh, but with that said, <laughs> James, we can go on and on and on about Leftwich and Brady and Bulls and the relationship that. that never was or always will be. But sure. um, the biggest thing we have to talk about before we, we get ready to go and do an, a new twist to walking the plank is there was two names that, that at least Bucks fans sent to me personally the most. And one you named on, on Tuesday's episode is uh, – Todd Munkin, your BFF, or Bill <laughs> yeah. O'Brien was popping up in, in my stuff a lot. And I'm going to just Neither. go ahead and give Bill O'Brien a quick little no. Um, no, I don't, want, I don't want either of them. <laughs> I don't want either, I don't want either of them. No. Do oh, I respect God. the fact that, you know, brown background? Cool. You're smart. You're a smart guy. You've done some cool things. You know, you manage certain certain situations in a chaotic Penn State era. Bravo, bravo. Um, but he also but, traded DeAndre Hopkins for a second and a third because he didn't right. like. The He's kind also of done some DeAndre very Hopkins. questionable things, and he's not the guy for the. I think okay. So there was a lot of mixed reviews on Bill O'Brien because they're like, yeah, well, he had to rebuild and he had to start from scratch and he had to put a piece together and that takes time and they didn't give him time. Yeah, I don't think the Bucks situation is ideal either because we still don't know what the what the goal is here. Is it yeah. starting a rebuild or is it building off of what they have and talking rebuild in 2024? And I feel like a lot of people are leaning towards this talk rebuild in 2024. Like you said, James, get Brady back. Um, you know, I want my man back kind of mentality. So Bill O'Brien and the system that he runs and some of these guys who – you know, he had four or five years with the Patriots, but outside of that, mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of his success has been collegiate. And it's it just keeps getting proven time after time after time. That's not always the most transferable situation from college football to the NFL and making it stick. And every time something flops in the NFL, he ends up back in college. Now, I just don't think the Bucks system is for him. I don't see that being a dynamic between him and Bulls. The next name that comes to mind is Todd Munkin, who was obviously already a part of the Bucks staff. Um, but a lot of people are protecting Munkin and what did not happen here for the Bucks during his seasons because they felt like Coder was kind of smothering his ability, not allowing him to fly, not giving him full reign to function. And then you and I talked about Coach Bowles wanting somebody who can really just excel take and it, fulfill yeah. that role without just asking Daddy's permission for everything. Yeah, exactly. Just take it, so. Just take it. That's where I've kind of been like, wow, this could kind of be something because if Munkin has the confidence and the ability to say this is what we need to do, he likes to run a predominantly explosive offense. You know, he's going to bring that deep threat back to life. There's things that Munkin is known for. Evans has already worked with him. There's there's some key factors here that could kind of make this a more polished, oh, okay, him and Bulls can not only work well together, but there's vets on this team that know and respect Munkin. He already is aware of these players' capability. He probably knows or has a better uh, perspective on free agents that can come and click with these guys. So that's where kind of history kind of accelerate this whole guessing game of can we build the dream team that we tried to build last year. So and these two names, I'm gonna tell you straight up, Casey. I still don't want Todd Munkin. Um, <laughs> I just don't have. I don't have good. I saw him. I saw him as my OC one time. And just because you change the people around him doesn't mean Todd Munkin all, is all of a sudden like a better play caller. So 
I know he didn't always get the chance because Dirk Carter was the primary play caller, even though he was OC. But to Mm -hmm. me, there was a reason Dirk Carter never felt comfortable enough turning the reins over. You know what I mean? Like Ah. even even Bruce Arians at some point got out of the way and said, you know what? Someone else call the plays. I'll be the I'll be the voice. And we won a Super Bowl. So like if if he didn't have that trust with Dirk Carter or didn't have that trust with Tom Munkin. I don't know. If, I don't know if I really have that trust right now, especially not seeing him anywhere else have like tremendous, tremendous success. He's the Bears' OC right now, so I mean, how yeah. how how good are the Bears? They have the number one pick in the in the NFL draft, so you know what I mean. Um, and then when I go over to Bill Bill O'Brien, if I had to choose between the two, I lean towards Bill O'Brien, and I give him the benefit of the doubt of one familiarity with Brady. I think that I think that'll just make him comfortable. Not only did he was he OC for a lot of those or a couple of those Patriots teams, but successful. That's how he got the Penn State job in the first place. Um, yeah. So if Brady can go back to like, if, if Bill O'Brien remembers schemes, packages, plays that were like, hey, this worked, this worked every time that that we we did this in New England with Brady, and Brady can kind of muster some of that up again. That might even give Brady a little bit more rejuvenation of like, I know this guy, he knows me. I don't have to worry about it as much because he gets kind of just my innate tendencies and what I like to do. And then you give mm-hmm. him a little bit, I give him a little bit of credit or, or I give him credit for the two rebuilds he had to do. Cause not only Penn state, but then he went and took the Houston Texans job where everyone was like, are you sure? Like he took it over from <laughs> Romeo Purnell and everyone's like, like, that's what you want to do. And he brought that team to the playoffs. He did. He brought Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins and everybody brought them to the playoffs in a game that they should have won. Well, I'm yeah. sorry, in a game that they did win and beat Josh Allen and the, and the Bills in a game that they were up 24 nothing to the Chiefs. Like, this is – you know, he, he did that. He had that success. I get it. Why I don't like Bill O'Brien is just the, the, the personal reasons, the personality of him. And I think it's not coincidental. That's why I don't think it would mesh with Bulls. I, I don't think it would mesh with a lot of people because he seems like a coach who is more comfortable coaching 18- to 19-year-olds and telling them what to do than being leader of grown men because being a leader of grown men, meaning you have to like, you have to accept more than if you are just building a program and like, this is molding molding a guy into a man, especially Penn state, a very rich tradition. Like, you know, we white helmets and black cleats. We don't do anything else. So it's easy to kind of, (laughs) kind of keep kids in boundaries. But when you're a leader of grown men, you can't go up to Deandre Hopkins and say, I don't like the friends you hang out with. Don't bring them around anymore. You, you simply can't do that. And when he says no, you can't trade at the time the second or third best receiver in the NFL for a second mm-hmm. and a third round pick and not get a first round pick back for him. Like you you can't do that solely because you didn't like who DeAndre Hopkins was. Like you right. simply cannot do that. So if Bill O'Brien comes into the Buccaneers, a team that is established in a lot of places quarterback, offensive line, wide receiver room, established in a lot of places with a lot of veterans. Imagine mm-hmm. if he comes in and all of a sudden he don't like the person Mike Evans is. Or in like the person Ryan Jensen is. You know? Because when Bill O'Brien doesn't like the person you are, he can't look past that. I've seen it with track record. And it doesn't matter how good you are in his team, he's going to want you out. He's not going to vouch for you. He's not going to, you know what I mean? I don't like wow. that. And a team with a lot of communication and personality kind of dysfunction right now. I think the last person I want to do is, is throw a more polarizing figure into that. That is such a great way to put that James. Actually, I, I, I have no rebuttal on that because it, it just brings, it just kind of brings me to the fact that 
you know, this turnover of, of coaches and kind of, you know, losing out on the era of old school coaches to all these new coaches. Now there's so much that you miss with old school guys, because while they had a harsher, more aggressive approach, you know, it was this blank sheet when it came to making decisions best for the team majority Mm -hmm. of the time, you know, because it came down to football, what worked best for football. Now there's so much emotion in the game, which, you know, I always want these players to be respected and I want them to definitely stop being perceived as these products that uh, people have the audacity to say, oh, we're paying their bills by watching them. Guys, let me just paint you a quick little cute picture. Um, Players, athletes across every professional league yeah, majority of their income comes from the endorsements. So when you see them holding those stupid protein milks on the television, they're getting fat money for that. And it's yeah. consistent. You know, all of their contracts are really broken down into how many games they actually played. If they get injured and end up missing time, their agents have to come in and negotiate how much they'll still get paid, even though they can't touch the field. Contracts are too finicky. So, no, you're not paying these guys bills. And the airwaves have changed tremendously in the last six years because everything is becoming so digital, which is why FanDuel TV, Peacock TV, Paramount, all these things are becoming, you know, more appealing than signing up at spectrum or direct tv and the packages are not even becoming that much more enticing rant is that a rant that i just went on absolutely because all the drama that took place this season and the geo bernard thing i just kind of heard too many people concretely saying we pay their bills yeah don't nike pays their bills cow milk pays their bills almond milk pays their bills sleep number number five pays their bills um those are the more consistent revenues of income that keep these guys afloat especially that are going to protect them if and when their career is over all that to say love you painting that picture of him being a polarized uh kind of person to throw into the mix of everything here bucks fans we want to hear from you guys more i initially just asked you know yes or no to todd munkin a couple of you guys threw some names in there but let's just kind of go from a clean slate who would you want to be on this team who do you see gelling with todd bowles now that the the larger conversation is bowles never had the staff that he needed to begin with now he gets to rebuild what does that rebuild look like what coaches names come to mind that feel like a perfect pairing with todd bowles and uh james that takes us over to kind of lay the foundation of the next episode that we'll have coming up here on Jolly Rogers Touchdowns. 